Okay, we welcome on a very special guest to Suncast now, man, that I've been very open about how much he's helped me with Suncast. I just want to start off, Donnie Smith. Uh, first off, just thanks for everything you've done for Suncast and really appreciate all you do and welcome on to the show. Long overdue. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate all you do for our league. Yeah, of course. So uh, you, you are, are the first SID, Sports Information Director, that uh, we've had on Suncast. Um I'm sure a lot of athletes, they kind of know what the SID is. They're the ones that take, they're taking pictures on media day, writing the stories uh, about the athletes. But could you tell everybody a little bit more about the role of an SID? I think the way that I usually describe it is we're just kind of the ones that are, that are the the ones forward facing and, and in charge of the publicity and promoting all of our athletes, coaches, and teams. Um, and we do that through a, a variety of, of methods, as you mentioned, kind of the, the media aspect and, making sure our website's up to date and, and getting quality content up there, uh, curating stuff for our social media, um, handling awards voting and, and nominations and things like that, uh, handling all the statistics. So that way we've got quality information uh, when we go to do those awards uh, and handling any, any media relations requests or things like that. Uh, you know, if, if newspaper, radio or TV uh, or podcast wants to get a hold of our athletes, uh, we're the ones that can kind of help facilitate those things. Yeah, y'all are. I learned uh, I learned that uh, a while ago, and uh, ever since I learned that's been a lot lot of smoother sailing with Suncast. But to the athletes listening, that's the guy that's putting in your stats and nominating for you for awards. So probably probably want, want her to go see your SID. Tell them uh, have a good day. Appreciate uh, all they do. But you know, Donnie, before you were the SID at Southeastern, uh, before you got to Lakeland, you were a top tier sportscaster in the state of Indiana for the regional radio sports network in Michigan, Michikawa. Am I saying that Mishawaka. right? Mishawaka. There we go. Indiana. Uh, you did play by play. You hosted talk shows. Can you tell us some about that experience? Cause I mean, you covered everything from high school football where you were one of the top high school uh, football reporters in the state, all the way to the professional levels. And of course the Indy 500. Yeah, I did. Uh, but I think what was more important than some of the assignments that I got was who I got to work with and for. Uh, just a chance to learn from a couple of Hall of Fame sportscasters and Paul Condry and Mike Knezovich uh, that weren't afraid to, to take a 17-year-old doofus under their wing and, and show them the ropes of this business. Um, got to learn from a Hall of Fame sports writer and Matt Copsey. Did an internship at the South Bend Tribune for Bill Belinsky, who's now a, a Hall of Fame sports editor. Uh, so just the chance to learn from some of the best in the business, I think, was was kind of the key. And that's I think that's kind of the the piece of advice that I usually give to young people. Sure, I got to call games at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. I got to work state championships. I worked a game at the RCA Dome, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, some of the best minor league facilities in the Midwest. But really outside of that, the, the thing that I take away the most from those 10 years was just who I got to be around and learn from. Um, and, and some of those personal relationships that I developed and people that I can still call when I have questions or concerns and, and work with every now and then. Um, I think one of the one of the highlights for me last year was when uh, Bethel came down and played in our men's basketball classic just before Christmas. Uh, that meant my former boss, Paul Condry, was coming down to broadcast the game. So he traveled down, uh, stayed the night with me a couple nights uh, here in uh, Lakeland. Uh, took him to the games, uh, make sure he was all set up. And and it was kind of neat to be on that side of things and host him as as he had hosted me for so many years and showed me the ropes. Now I was kind of in, to a certain extent, show him uh, 
you know, kind of what we've got going here at, at Southeastern and how he's been a part of it. Uh, Cause there's so many things that I've, I've taken from him and, and my time at regional radio sports uh, and the Indiana football digest and have implemented here at Southeastern. So to be able to show him around campus, show him how our office operates and, and show him our setup, I think kind of, kind of made him smile because he saw his influence in a lot of things that he did. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's incredible. I mean, like you said, a 17-year-old guy that they took under uh, their wings and showed the ropes of you know, sports media. And it's it, it's a field that you can get lost in very, very quickly. And because there's a lot going on and how to go about it, it's sometimes difficult to process. And when you have a good, good mentor, I know um, I, I've been blessed with a couple of good ones myself. And I hope, you know, 15, 20 years from now, it's a very similar situation where I'm getting to show somebody what I've built at a university or wherever uh, that that may be. But what's a piece of advice uh, that you really have uh, hold close to since you learned from, uh, you know, your mentor since you were you know, 17, 18 years old, just starting your career in sports media? Yeah, and I think that's what makes it fun. Uh, you know, those those first couple of years, um, you get kind of selfish and you want to get yours, and that's okay. It's all about what game can I call, what experience can I have, and things like that. Uh, but then as, as you start to get a little bit older and, and you move up, um, people start learning from you a little bit, and you start uh, kind of managing some, some people and leading some people um, and showing them what you know. Um, and I think that's that's kind of what's made it fun for me as of late. Uh, you know, Christopher and Topa, the the SID at Montreat was just named the Appalachian Athletic Conference SID of the year. He was a graduate assistant for me and, and a former student worker. Uh, I've got former GAs that have gone on to be the the PA at the Orlando Magic for a couple of games. Uh, that was always a career goal. So I made sure, uh, despite the limited seating capacities and the COVID restrictions in place. Went and bought tickets to that uh, Orlando Magic Boston Celtics game uh, in spring of 2021 um, just to make sure I was there because I knew how much it meant for him. Uh, so to be able to see young people take an interest in what you do and kind of show them the ropes and and hope that they go on to things bigger and better than you uh, is, is kind of what makes this fun now. And I think it just goes back to just making sure that who you're around is a lot more important than what you're doing. Um uh, just trying to take note from whoever you're working with. Um, there were things and, and times when I was working at regional radio sports, I'm sitting there, it's like, okay, so how is this specific assignment going to help me become a better sportscaster or get to another level? And the answer is, well, it doesn't always, but if you do everything that's asked of you and do it to the highest level that you can, people are going to remember that. So when an opportunity comes open or they need somebody to step in in a certain position, you're going to be one of the first names that come to mind. So if if somebody calls out sick or if somebody has to go on leave um, and the, the management's struggling right now, like, what do we do here? Um, the first thing that's going to go is, you know, Reagan's done a phenomenal job. He's done everything that's asked of him. Let's give him a shot. I know he's itching to do this. Let's give him a shot. So I think that's that would be the main piece of advice that I, that I give to people. No matter what you're doing, do it to the best that you can, uh, because who you're working with and who you're around is a lot more important than what you're doing. Yeah, I absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I mean, the, like, like we've already talked about, the people that have helped us, I mean, your mentors, my mentors, I mean, it's been a huge thing. And being around, you know, your peers, having being around the right people that motivate you. I mean, I, I've been very vocal, a big reason for, Suncast success was at the very beginning. I had a great group of friends over at Weber that 
you know, when there was nothing, like when we were just, when I was just getting started, I was telling them about the idea of just covering the Sun Conference in some kind of way, very supportive. Um, and they were uh, very high on it from the beginning. But, you know, something that you, you've always held near and dear to your heart, something that we've talked a lot about, and I'm sure a lot of people from uh, from the Midwest, they find it a big deal, is the Indy 500. Um, you know, when I first moved to the Midwest, it was, and I would talk to people from the Indianapolis area, they were like, the way they talked about it was kind of how we talk about uh, the Masters in Georgia. Are we all huge golf people? No. Are we golf people for that one week in the spring? Oh, yes, we are. We are huge <laughs> golf people. But, you know, that event uh, to you in the state of Indiana, what, what, what makes that such a special event? Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. You know, it's a crown jewel sporting event. Uh, I think what's unique about the Indy 500 is, you know, if you if you go to a NASCAR race, there's going to be people that have their favorites and they have their people that are the complete opposite of their favorites. So uh, that one time randomly at Talladega where Jeff Gordon spun out insert driver here, all of a sudden when they see the DuPont number 24, uh, they don't wave at him with all five fingers. You don't see that in the Indianapolis 500. I think all 33 drivers are equally supported. Uh, those guys are, are great to the fans. Um, they're very down to earth when they're walking from through gasoline alley to the pits and the garages. Uh, if there's fans there, they'll stop for pictures and sign autographs. Uh, Tony Kanaan was, was usually one of the best for that. And that's why you saw the ovation that he got in his last Indy 500, uh, you know, about a month ago. Uh, he was always a man of the people. He'd stop for every picture, sign out every autograph. I think that's one of the things that, that made it unique. And then just like the masters, you've got the tradition and, and the, the history and everything, uh, going back to 1911, when Ray Haroon won the first race, I think it's, it's well loved and supported between, you know, all the, the pageantry that happens pre-race, the gentlemen start your engines back home again in Indiana, the Purdue marching band being there every year. Uh, it's just really a special event. And then from a, a fan's standpoint, uh, if you're a, for lack of a better term, season ticket holder, uh, if you just keep renewing your race tickets, you get the same seats every year. So you're sitting around the same people each and every year. So when I was in the grandstands, there were people you saw literally once a year. I still remember the the folks that sat behind us every year from Wisconsin. Uh, we talked for a little bit pre-race, and obviously you can't really hear anything during the race. Uh, but then as soon as it's over, it's like, all right, see you again next year. See you next May. Yeah, I mean, the the whole IndyCar in general, it was it seemed like at first it was Indiana. And it, obviously the Indy 500, that's something I remember forever. But do you feel like that that IndyCar racing in general, I feel like when I first realized what media and how – just a name and a platform can help a sport was drive to survive uh, on Netflix. When that came out, it was like, it felt like there was an, uh, just an explosion of IndyCar likeness and it, it it's all over uh, the world. Now and we were actually just watching it the other night, a bit, bit big max for stopping guy. I guess, I, I guess I kind of hopped on the bandwagon uh, a little too late, but I was like, well, that guy drives a Red Bull car and I like Red Bull. So I guess we'll kind of just, just live on that stuff. Yeah, that, that's the good stuff there. But like, w would you say the Indy 500 is that like the the number one sporting event uh, that you've been to? Uh, it would be hard to top that. Uh, and just the 
the eyes from around the globe that are on it. First of all, it's Memorial Day weekend. You know, you mentioned Formula One. So the day starts out bright and early in Monaco. Then you've got the Indianapolis 500. And then if you're a real big racing fan, you've got NASCAR's longest event of the year and the Coca-Cola 600 in Charlotte starting shortly after that. Um, so it's just a, a day full of racing. So you put that event uh, on that biggest day in racing and it, and it just kind of makes sense. Um, globally, I mean, I remember there were there were times in the media center I'm walking through just kind of looking at the name tags and stuff. And there's a whole row of people from Japan that are there. They've got such an international flavor uh, from around the world uh, that's there covering that race. Uh, and it's just it's just one of the many things that make it special. It's a huge venue. You can put every Big Ten football stadium inside it and still have room. Uh, it's got four holes of a golf course in the infield. Uh, just so many things that that make the the Speedway and the Indianapolis 500 so unique and special. I didn't know it was that big. How many people can fit fit in the stadium? Yeah, they're pretty private about numbers and, and things like that. But I think the estimates are probably somewhere in the 400 to 500 thousand area. Um, and wow. and you got to also think that when they put the the road course through the middle of it, they had to take out some seating. So there used to be places where I used to sit when I was getting pulled around in a wagon by my dad before I could even walk, you could sit on the infield side of turn one uh, where we sat numerous times for practice and qualifying and stuff like that. But when they put in the road course, they had to take those stands out. Same thing in turn two. Uh, they've added some, some viewing mounds and some, some general admission areas and stuff like that, uh, which really could push the number to whatever you want it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an incredible. And, you know, something you mentioned was, you know, having people from all over, the world, uh, Japan, uh, all that, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I've got to experience a lot too, getting to cover athletes from all over and certainly something that you, you got to do at Southeastern. But before we get, get into that, let's talk about your move to Southeastern in, in general. I mean, obviously warmer weather was a, a big factor in that we were talking a little bit, uh, before we record just about Midwest, uh, summers and winters and uh, they're, they're not, they're not the most fun, uh, a little bit more consistent, uh, in Florida, you're going to get hot and then you're going to get humid and then you might get rain uh you can kind of mix those three those three bags in but what was it about southeastern university that made you want to pack your bags and travel down to lakeland florida yeah it goes back to the people so one of the assignments that i had at regional radio sports was involved with with bethel college so helping out on some of the men's basketball broadcasts handled most of the women's broadcasts and then also starting in 2010 uh, we started broadcasting Bethel softball. Uh, so I took those reins for four years. And after my, I believe it was third year calling Bethel softball, uh, our coach, Anna Welsh, announced that this was going to be her last season with the pilots, was going to be starting a program in Lakeland, Florida, at a place called Southeastern. Um, so the 2013 season would have been her first down there. So I continued calling games at, at Bethel and was in April one year, uh, sitting in a shed when it was 45 degrees out and uh, got a text from Coach Welsh, uh, listening to the game, uh, miss you, you know, checking in on some of the former players and stuff like that and said, you know, by the way, we're going to be looking for a new SID this summer. Is that something you might be interested in? Uh, so, yes, absolutely. Um, and again, you know, back to the responsibilities, you know, when you're in broadcasting, one of your main points of contact is going to be that communications person or that SID. So when I went on the road, that was always the person you reach out to about notes, stats, uh, making sure you have everything you need, a place to sit and everything. 
so over the years, I got to know some, uh, got to see some that were really good at their jobs and, and took notes on, you know, if this rubber position I was in, these are the kind of things that I would want to do, like school A, school B, and school C. And then there were other places where, you know, there were some things missing. It's, uh, you know, if I was ever in this position, make sure that these handful of things are taken care of. So over the years, I got a chance to kind of see from from a different angle what a successful sports information and communications office should look like and was kind of able to put some of those things into play here at Southeastern. You mentioned, you know, you got to learn uh, the process of, you know, building a sports information uh, de department, something that, and this isn't just my, my opinion, something that uh, a lot of people uh, say at, at Weber with, with Weber football, uh, when we're sitting there watching a Southeastern football game, it's like, it, it, it's top notch. It's like we're watching a, a regular ESPN broadcast with everything going on. Uh, can you tell us a little bit? And and then of course, uh, before the question, you, you on the mic with football, look, you, you're, you're a good broadcaster in general, but man, when you broadcast a football game, dude, it's like Donnie Smith's on the mic. We, we got, we got to turn this thing up. Everybody be quiet and, and y'all uh, listen up. Can you just talk about what kind of goes into the, the prep work of, you, you know, setting up the broadcast for, uh, you know, Southeastern football game, all the way to you prepping your notes and, you know, wrapping up the broadcast and putting the headset on. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot more than just showing up at about 645 on Saturday. Um, yeah. It starts usually uh, on Monday trying to get depth charts and, and pull stats and things like that. Uh, look through uh, who's available, who's not, and try and put together a board, uh, put everybody kind of in position where they're at. So on offense, the left tackles on the top line over on the left, all the way to the right tackle, put the quarterback where he would line up, receivers, running backs, et cetera. Same thing on defense, just so that way I've got a quick reference on, you know, if somebody makes a play on a certain side, I can kind of generate towards that part of my notes uh, and see who made the stop um, if I can't exactly see the number. Um, and just putting together some notes on each of those individuals, uh, try to watch some film if I can, uh, depending on what else we have going on that week, just looking for who their key players are, what kind of things they do, um, what kind of tendencies they may have. Uh, it makes you sound a lot smarter, the more that you know, and the more that you've seen, um, uh, and just what, what that team does well, or who some of the individuals that you can spotlight are, uh, and obviously, when you're looking at defense, just kind of know what kind of schemes that they have. Um, and that's something that I'll usually pass on to our analysts, whoever it may be. Uh, been fortunate the last couple of years to have Jair James with me, who played football for us, was a safety um, and played in a numer played in numerous different programs. Um, so has just a wealth of football knowledge, high football IQ. So I was able to just tell him, here are some of the, the coverages that I've seen from this group. Here's what I like. Um, here's where some of their their weaknesses may be. And those are, those are things that he can kind of keep an eye on uh, because I'm going to be watching the ball and, and where everything goes with the play. Um, he's able to just kind of watch, all right, what coverage are they in? What blitz are they showing? Where's the pressure coming from? Uh, and able to talk a little bit more football and scheme um, and adjustments and things like that. Uh, I can set him up for success. Like, what do you do here on third and six? What kind of things have gone well for them? What may they want to get away from? Uh, really the the game's the easy part uh, because you're just kind of reacting to what happens. Halftime, you're just kind of summarizing what you saw in that first half. You need to script your pregame show a little bit. So as you go through all the notes and everything that's available, put together 
what are the key storylines? What are the key things to watch? Um, what could be the difference in this game? And then post game, you just kind of wrap up what you saw and and preview what's next. So where does this team go from here? Where does this team go from here? When are we going to talk again? Yeah, and you know, last year uh, I remember it's just being there before I'd heard about you know southeastern home games uh, for football, and I was like, I'm sure it's a, it's a good event. I was out there, and I was like, this is not this does not feel like an NAI football game about about to go. Uh, uh, go on end up ended up uh, going go in our favor that was a fun fun game right last year against Weber yeah I mean they they're they're all fun games uh, yeah. well I think what's what makes football so special and something that I learned at my last job because that we were kind of a company that was built on on football whether it be at the high school or college level you right. only get so many of those, those things yeah. uh, you know baseball you could have 60 some games a year basketball is going to play about 30 some games a year you're only going to get 10 or 11 Saturday football games. Uh, so the the chance to see that is pretty rare. So taking advantage of that, no matter what the result is, and just trying to enjoy it no matter what. Uh, because like you said, uh, stepping into that atmosphere uh, five, six times a year is special. So just trying to enjoy it each and every Saturday. Yeah, and uh, you, gosh, you got me thinking now. Like I only got about ten, eleven of these, these things left. If if the back and the hamstring are going to uh, hold up for me, at, at least we're uh, we're gonna try to have uh, one more fun fun season, man. It's gonna it's gonna be fun. I mean, you uh, know, this uh, we weren't really planning on talking about this, but how about last year? I mean, Sun Conference football. I feel like it really took a step forward overall for the conference last year, didn't it? It really did. Uh, I remember, you know, when Southeastern started in twenty fourteen. That was the first year that football was recognized, supported, and, and governed by the Sun Conference. Um, and it was a chore just to kind of get in the receiving votes category. Uh, Weber actually ended up winning the conference championship that year, came down to a great game uh, over at Legion Field in Lake Wales uh, when a little bit older team, uh, bigger team, was able to come away with the win. Uh, but then I think that was that was kind of something that the, uh, the Southeastern group learned because it was he heavy on freshmen. Uh, Went into the sophomore year, were a little bit better, built on that, uh, won a conference championship and won, won another three after that. Uh, but it's it's come quite a long way. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting good athletes. Uh, we're getting transfers, people that want to come back home or stay home, whatever the case may be. Uh, we've got great coaches. Uh, and I think it's it's kind of been neat to see how one program uh, can kind of jumpstart another program who has aspirations of building back up. So they make investments and, and hires that'll get them going. Um, so it's really like Commissioner Wilkie talked about last week. It's a lot of ironing iron that sharpens iron. Um, you see one school that's had success. It's like, well, what makes them too much different than us? Because they're not too much farther than us. We're all in the same league. Why can't we do that? So they make the investments and the, and the hires and, and bring in things to make it happen. Um, and then the next schools, like what can we do to get to their level? Um, so it's a little bit of an arms race, but at the same time, I think it's also a, a healthy one. Yeah. And that's what it seems like it's been over the conferences. I got in. There's not that. Oh, we want obviously y'all want to beat Weber. Weber wants to beat St. Thomas. I, duh. Everybody wants to win the conference championship in a red banner. We don't need to harp on that too much. But it seems like overall in the conference, there is that if we get better, you're going to get better. And that's just consistently that building up. And I've seen that from the athletic departments to the the athletes themselves, to the sports information departments, there's that want to in the Sun Conference. I feel like the Sun Conference, 
there is that little bit of new kid on the block still, you know, a younger conference, especially when, when you look at football, but, you know, last year having Kaiser go to the championship and everything that we've done, I feel like there's that constant momentum of everybody wanting to be better. But Donnie, over the last 10 years, you've obviously covered a lot of great teams in Lakeland. I'm not asking you to pick a favorite or anything like that, but is there a season for a team or, you know, a player in their career that you've watched over the last decade? that really sticks out to you? I think my first year, what was really special was the the men's basketball season that we put together. Um, we're coming off of a, I think, 13-win season um, in 2012-2013. Uh, Coach R.J. Barsh was going into his second season, was able to get some recruits, uh, was able to get some guys um, on track to where he needed them. Uh, and then all of a sudden had a breakout season where they win 26 games, um, played an exhibition game at Florida State. Um, obviously, you, you got a pretty good idea what the result is. But I think a couple of things that they learned was we had a point guard that went off for 34 points that game. Um, so obviously, if Florida State has a hard time controlling our point guard, I think we're going to be OK. And actually left some points on the on the floor in that game, missed a handful of free throws. Um, and I think we also learned something defensively, uh, a little bit of a, a VCU with Shaka Smart, where they had that all-court press. Uh, Coach Barsh uh, had a defense where it was a lot of pressure, uh, a lot of trapping and things like that. Ran that a couple of times against Florida State. And when an ACC team has a hard time dealing with it, you know you're probably on to something. Um, played Valparaiso in an exhibition that year at UCF. Uh, and the, that year, the, the Sun Conference was unbelievable. Embry-Riddle was a top 10 team. Uh, Raleigh Massimino was the head coach at, at Kaiser Northwood at the time. Uh, so you're, you're going against just some Titans each and every week. Uh, yeah. Got into the top 25, made the first national tournament appearance in program history. Uh, had to come back and beat Huntington uh, in Branson in the round of 32. Uh, hit a buzzer beater, Dwayne Johnson, our point guard, hit a buzzer beater to knock off the defending champion Cardinal Stritch and the number one overall seed. Wow. Knocked off Davenport uh, in the round of eight and made the national semifinal uh, before coming up short to Indiana Wesleyan. But just that that team and the way that they embrace campus and and everybody's buy-in uh, supporting that group. Um, you know, the, the video that we always go back on, uh, we were having watch parties in Portico, our campus coffee shop. Uh, on the big screen. And when Dwayne Johnson hit that shot to beat Cardinal Stritch, the whole place went crazy. So uh, that's always going to be a special moment, um, making that run and, and seeing that team. And and now seeing the, the success that Coach Barsh has had, uh, now an assistant coach at Gonzaga, had a chance since our the closest airport to Lewiston, uh, flying out for the World Series is actually Spokane. Um, so landed, had some time to, to kill before heading over to LC State, uh, and again, going back to relationships, uh, shot Coach Barsh a text. Uh, what are you doing right now? Uh, mind if I come over? Said, yeah. So got to hang out with him for a little bit and see the the digs for the Bulldogs as they get ready for a, another Final Four season. Uh, and then as far as an, an individual player, uh, I think with the the Women's World Cup coming up next month, I think I better mention Uchenna Canoe. Uh, who's now playing for Team Nigeria, going to be making her second Women's World Cup appearance with Nigeria. Uh, just seeing what she did for us in four years was was unbelievable. I remember, I think her senior year, um, we're playing in the conference championship game at Kaiser. We're down. 
she makes an unbelievable play to get on the board. Um, and I look at Andrew too, who is our assistant uh, SID at the time. I'm like, what, what are we going to do when 30's not here? Uh, just because she was, she was that kind of player. And then uh, to watch her play in the world cup uh, in 2019 and looking forward to seeing her play again uh, coming up this year uh, in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, obviously if you're playing at the international level, you're doing something right. Uh, just, just special every time that she got the soccer ball. Oh man, I, I can't even imagine. And like now, looking back, I'm like, I was, I was playing soccer that, uh, back, back then too. And I, and I just remember dreaming about being at the World Cup and to think about there's somebody at Southeastern University that's now living that dream. I mean, that's that's just incredible. And I can't even imagine the amount of pride that y'all have for her and how proud uh, you are to see her reach those heights. And who knows, maybe take uh, Nigeria to a whole new height in Australia and New Zealand this summer but you know uh since since then or since the you talking about you got there in 2013 um, obviously you've had a lot of success at the nai level two-time sid uh of the year and you've got to work numerous nai championship events can you just talk about what an nai championship event looks like because i that that's something that i you know way way back when uh when we started and i've been to two other championship uh, events since then i they, they they're just so well run uh, you know, I always uh, feel like, and I've had the chance to, uh, you know, do it with, with somebody that we're both uh, pretty lucky to get to call uh, a friend and Brad Saigon. And we'll, we'll talk about Brad in a little bit more. I'm sure you got uh, some good, uh, good Brad, Brad Saigon story that we can say on the air, but like I was, like I was saying, you've worked numerous NAI championship events. What, what, are, what are those title games like and what's it like working there? Were there a couple events that really stand out to you? Yeah, they're, they're always special. Uh, the NAI and their championship staff do a phenomenal job trying to create the the best student-athlete experience possible. Uh, I've been to, I think, just about all of them um, in some way, shape, or form. And just the the heightened sense of excitement uh, is always there. Uh, you know, when you, when you get into the semifinal round, you can really start to feel it, uh, depending on the tournament. I mean, Going back to when when basketball was 32 teams at one side, it's kind of crowded. Uh, but then as you go further and further in the tournament, you look around, it's like, you know, there's there's not many other teams left here. And I think that's that's when it kind of gets your attention. Uh, you know, the football national championship, they they treat it like a bowl week. Uh, they've been in in some cities where they've had bowl games or close to uh, cities where they've had bowl games. So those people know what it's supposed to look like. Uh, Durham's done a phenomenal job hosting that that football championship the last couple of years, uh, getting them practice time at Duke, uh, going to the Durham Bulls, uh, having the the senior football classic there uh, has really made that a special experience. Uh, getting championship games on ESPN, just kind of showing um, the level of of skill that there is in the NAI, I think is what made is has made those championships high level. Uh, you know, you see the championship signage around, uh, they decorate the fields and everything. It's usually a really special experience. Yeah, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, like like we said, uh, you made a lot of friends up at, up in Kansas City. They do a great job uh, up there, like we said, with the championship event. I mean, I've done softball twice and uh, women's soccer once, and both of those experiences are you know, top notch. And I highly encourage anybody just to be able to go. Um, and it's something that I've tried, I've been pushing for the last year and a half now, the level of competition at the NAI is very high. And when you go to one of these championship events, 
you will see it. I, I promise. And of course, I got got plug in my softball, but if, you, if you're in uh, the Columbus, Georgia area, uh, or and they, they, there's the championship event that week, you have to go. I mean, being there, I mean, that's I fell in love with softball there, and that's where that's where it's at. You you, you got to be there. You you got to go check out NAI softball uh, World Series, and that's where I got to meet uh, Brad Saigon. And you know, Brad, uh, he's told me that you you and him were uh, good friends, and I know you uh, know, know that's the truth. Uh, can you talk about Brad and like how y'all met, and you know w what he actually uh, does, so people know we're not just talking about some random guy named Brad. Yeah, I got to know him back when he was at Missouri Baptist uh, when I first started. Um, he Missouri Baptist had started wrestling the year before us. Um, so one year at our national convention, uh, I sought him out, picked his brain a little bit. It's like, how does how does this all work? Um, I mean, I, I know about wrestling, but as far as covering it, reporting on it, doing stats for it and everything like that, how does that all work? Um, so he was able to kind of just paint the picture of, of what college wrestling looks like and and what to expect in the NAI, um, how to report everything, set it up everything and, and get it going. Uh, I think it was the next year we actually did a panel together at our national convention um, on social media and graphic design and things like that. And we've just kind of stayed in touch ever since, um, stayed in touch when he went to St. Louis for a spell. And then uh, when I heard he was in the mix for the, the position at the national office, uh, after Chad Waller left, it's like uh, uh, this is a this is a slam dunk. Uh, guy knows the NAI, he knows um, how to work with top media and develop those connections that we need uh, in the national office, and he's done a great job of that and keeping everything together. Uh, basically, he has the the job of uh, a school SID and and handling the promotions, the stats, and the media relations. He just has to do it for a nationwide organization with two hundred plus members. Uh, so it looks it looks a little bit different just trying to have an idea on the storylines um, at every school and making sure that our national championships are promoted at the highest level, uh, making sure all of us school SIDs have the information that we need uh, to promote our teams, uh, getting us the polls. He's the one that's got to administer those polls and, and get on people when they don't vote in time and things like that. Uh, so there's there's just a lot of dimensions to his job. I'm sure there's stuff that he does that none of us even know about. Um, and probably some time consuming stuff, but no, he does a great job. He's been a great friend. Um, and we've been a, a great resource for each other. Um, just because I know I, if, if I've got a question or concern, I can call him and, and talk things out. And I know that it's going to stay between us. Um, and likewise, if, if he's considering something or needs to run something by me from a, a member standpoint, I know he, he can trust me. Um, whatever we talk about is going to stay between us. Um, I think that's that's kind of one of the keys to to our relationship and our friendship. Yeah, I mean, he, like I say, he's a professional. I mean, he, he's a he's a pro's pro. I knew that from the moment I met him, and you know, being able to build that working relationship uh, with him, and we've had uh, you know same thing. I mean, he's a guy kind of like you that I've gone to for advice in the sports media field, and I've felt very confident. Everything I said to him, it stayed. But between us, and it's definitely benefited uh, me in my career, and we've got a, a great relationship. Uh, but uh, Donnie, again, I, I I can't thank you enough. Uh, you know for what what you've done for me and both of my organizations. Uh, it, it, it's it's really been a blessing to to have you and everybody, every SID in this conference. But you know, especially you, you. Um, you know, for the people that don't that don't know the full story, I mean, we we we've, we've talked about it, but I mean, people remember what Suncast kind of was 
when I first started, had that kind of brash barstool uh, kind of point of view and, you know, getting to talk with you and Coach Watson and kind of steer me the the right direction down it, I, how big that's been for, for not, not just Suncast or NAISB, just for me in general and my uh, career, my future career in sports media. I mean, it it really helped me gain a whole new appreciation for what it is and what it means to cover the cover athletes and cover teams. Um, and again, just really appreciate you, but you know, what, what my, my last question for, for you, Donnie, uh, Southeastern university, uh, it's a, it's a place, uh, other than the football field. Uh, I, I love Southeastern. Uh, you know, I got, so I got to keep that football raw. That's why we got Josh covering, covering, uh, Sun Conference football, but, you know, Southeastern University, very special place. You've made that uh, your home for the last 10 years or so. Can you just talk about what uh, being a part of Fire Nation means to you? What's unique and special to me about Southeastern is each and every day we have the chance to show what we're about uh, through our work and through competition. Uh, you know, we're, we're a Christian school uh, and we can we can show Jesus each and every day, whether we're on the field, off the field, um, statting the game, whatever. Uh, you know, I had a coach one time say, you know, when when every riddle was in the conference, their their mission is is creating pilots. Uh, are you going to be able to teach me about flying a plane while we're playing a soccer match? Probably not. Um, Johnson and Wales, another former member, one of the top culinary institutes in the world. Are you going to be able to share a recipe or, or a technique on, on braising a fish with me while we're playing a match? No. Um, but can I show Jesus during this soccer match? Absolutely. And I think that's, that's kind of what's made working at Southeastern special for me is we can show what we're about uh, in every phase of what we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something that y'all done uh, an excellent job. I mean, when I go to a Southeastern game, you could tell I me mean, they're uh, like basketball I was there uh, uh, during the basketball games. You have uh, coach Watson over the PA leading a prayer, do it for, for baseball games. There's a prayer for uh, before baseball games. And that's something that is awesome. I and mean, that's something that I've, also been vocal about uh, on the media. I know we're in a day of age where sometimes if you try to mix how your beliefs and media it can be some, it can be viewed some kind of way, but you know, I'm a man of faith uh, myself and I've always appreciated that about uh, Southeastern, but uh, Donnie, I uh, really appreciate you uh, coming on. If there's anything else you wanted to add on, Mike's all yours. If not, I'm good, my man. Appreciate all you do, Reagan. This has been fun. Have a successful 23, 24. Yes, sir. I'll see you real soon. Hopefully, uh, I can get you get you a uh, vote for me. Uh, maybe get all conference this year. I got punt the ball a little bit further this year, though. <laughs> I, I don't think I get a, a all conference vote yet. Uh, but the player <laughs> of the week stuff, you put up good enough numbers, and I got you. All right, appreciate you, Donnie.